have produced. Today we focus upon William Carey, the father of modern missions. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 54. We will read together verses 2 and 3. Isaiah 54, verses 2 and 3. Enlarge the place of thy tent, and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. God used this message to bring one of the most incredible epochs in all of Christian history. Even though the church through the Reformation, had made tremendous progress. Even though it had a correct theology, it was lacking in methodology. The church had turned inward. It was lethargic and mostly dead. Life story, we find that he made five great discoveries into the riches of heaven. The first, he discovered the love of Jesus. Care was born of poor parents. His father was a weaver and a school teacher. Unlike others that we've considered, Carey did not graduate from Oxford or Cambridge. In fact, he quit after the ninth grade at the age of 14 to take up a trade. He was a short, stocky, but strong individual. His fingers would not allow him to follow the trade of being a weaver like his father. And so it was agreed that he would uh, take up the apprentice of a shoe cobbler. Before William Carey went away, he became confirmed in the Anglican church. But this had little to do with his life and future, as we'll later see. He became apprentice under a shoe cobbler by the name of Clark Nichols. Mr. Nichols was a professing Christian and a member of the church, but ungodly individual. He drank, he cursed, he was very cruel and harsh to those who worked under him. Because of this environment, Carey slipped away from the influence of his parents. 
about this time, a fellow apprentice by the name of John War prayed to receive Christ as his Savior. And because of the change that came into his life, he became concerned about William Carey. And so he began to share the gospel. Carey turned those words away for a while, but then he began to listen. And after a while, he accepted an invitation to attend a nonconformist church service. Now, for the benefit of those of you who were not here last Sunday night, let me explain what a nonconformist is. The shackles of the Roman church had been broken. As a result of the Protestant Reformation, Many of the countries, such as England, had established a state Protestant church, the Church of England. But there were those who were dissatisfied with the measure of the reforms. There were those Puritans who wanted a pure New Testament doctrine. And so they became separatists or nonconformists within the ranks of these state Protestant churches. Baptists were among the nonconformists of that day. And so William Carey went to that service and there heard, for the first time in his life, how that the toning work of Jesus Christ is God's means of freeing us from our sin and giving us eternal life. He learned that salvation is a free gift, and that all that we must do is to believe or receive that gift of eternal life. And so at 18 years of age, William Carey embraced Jesus. He discovered the love of Jesus Christ for his own life, and for that of the whole world. The second discovery is the joy of Jesus. As soon as Carey became a Christian, he was concerned for others. One of the true evidences of being born again by the Spirit of God is that you become concerned for others who don't know him as Savior. Carey began witnessing to his cobbler master, Clark Nichols. And Clark Nichols, a few days before he died, also embraced Jesus Christ as his Savior. Carey experienced that great joy of being used by the Holy Spirit to bring somebody else to Christ. His life was filled with joy. There was a song of victory now in his life. He experienced that joy that Jesus talked about when he said, when one repents, even the angels in heaven rejoice in the presence of the Father. Have you discovered the love of Jesus. 
Have you discovered the joy of Jesus? Some of you have lost the joy of your salvation. Because you are not sharing that which you've experienced. You're not seeing people come to the Lord. Their lives, their homes, their destinies change. The psalmist said, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And if you will sow in compassion, you will reap this great joy that Jesus Christ told us we would have and that William Carey came to experience. In the third place, Carey also discovered the passion of Jesus. As a new Christian, he began to read and study the Bible. And new truths dawned upon his soul. He read, Go ye therefore, for God so loved the world. Make disciples of every nation. Carey concluded, God means what he said. God means for us as the Christian church, to go with the message to the whole wide world. Carrie was convinced that millions are perishing without Jesus Christ. As a schoolmaster, working at that job also to pay expenses, Carrie began to read David Brainerd's diary. Brainerd, as many of you know, was the first American missionary to the Indians, 50 years before Carey's time. Brainerd went out from New England to the Indian population to lead people in this, in this new world to Christ. That made a profound impression upon him. And then he read Captain Cook's Voyages. This explorer and merchant had traveled around the world and put his experiences in this book. And as Carey read about the conditions, the terrible conditions of people in the South Sea Islands and India and other countries, there welled up in him a great burden that somehow the message that he had experienced would also be given to these people. Working several hours each day as a shoe cobbler, he decided to make a map. He found some old brown paper, and with some of the leather, he made a map and hung it on the wall. Day after day, he prayed. 
for this lost work. Then 761 million people. As Carrie prayed, as he studied the Bible, as he grew in his Christian walk, more and more his heart burned for a world to come to know Jesus Christ. About that time, there was an associational meeting of some Baptist churches. And Carrie, the schoolmaster, shoe cobbler, and lay preacher, was asked to bring the annual sermon. Carrie preached from this very passage. Enlarge the place of thy tent and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not. Lengthen the cords and strengthen thy stakes. And in a passionate plea, he called for the people to lengthen the cords, to strengthen the stakes. And he used that motto that we have often quoted, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. As he preached with great passion, he fully expected that the people would respond to his call to mission. Well, there was one in the congregation by the name of Elder John Ryland who stood up in the middle of the sermon and said, Young man, when God pleases to convert the heathen, he'll do so without asking you or me. But Carrie went on in his preaching. When the sermon was over, he fully expected an overwhelming response. But the people began to file out as usual. He cried out, are we not going to do something? And then turning to a friend, he said, Fuller, call them back, call them back. And as the people came back into the church building, once again, William Carey pled with them. We dare not separate without doing something. We must do something about the lost world. As a result, they agreed to establish a missionary society for foreign missions. They took up an offering, $67. And so the cause of modern missions was underway. The fourth thing that Carey discovered was the will of Jesus for his own life. There was a society for missions, but no missionary. During these weeks and months that followed, Carrie experienced a growing hunger in his soul for missions. As he prayed, as he evaluated his own life, 
he felt that God was calling him to be a missionary. His father thought he was crazy. And his wife, who was illiterate and a very spiritually insensitive individual, said, I'll have nothing to do with it. But Carrie read in the Bible the words of Jesus in which he said, unless you're willing to even leave family, you're not worthy of me. He was determined to go, and so he asked one of his sons, Felix, to go with him. They sought passage on a ship and began the journey. But the East India Company curtailed that because they were afraid that if the Indians were converted, they would become unmanageable. Carrie went back home and implored his wife once again to go with him. And this time she consented. And so Carrie, his wife, and five children set sail for India, November the 11th, 1793. At the age of 32, he arrived by the will of God in Calcutta, India. But not only did he discover the love of Jesus, the great joy of Jesus, and the passion of Jesus, and the will of Jesus for him to go, through those years, Carrie discovered the patience or the endurance of Jesus to stay with him. When he arrived in the Bengal section of India, that's where those LSU Tigers originated. In fact, the biography says in the first year that Kerry was there, that Tigers carried off 25 of the natives. In this kind of country, Kerry established an indigo factory to help pay expenses. He set up the Semaphore Mission. A part of that was a printing press. He realized that the printed word must be given to the people. Even though he was not especially brilliant, but a plotter, a determined individual. And even though he had only a ninth grade education, William Carey in great discipline learned not only the English language, but Latin and Greek and Hebrew, and the Dutch, and the French language. He could read the Bible in six languages. He realized that the printed message of the Bible must be gotten out to the people. And so through those years, he was used of God in translating portions of the Bible into 34 languages or dialects of the Indian people that they might have the message of Jesus Christ. But the burning passion of his soul was to see people saved. The first year, no one said. The second, the third, the fourth year, still no conversion. 
For six years, he witnessed and he preached before the first convert came. Christina Paul received Jesus Christ, was the first convert of modern mission. Some of you uh, get discouraged, as sometimes I do, that people don't respond to the gospel, that loved ones for so many years have refused to accept Christ. Some of you in the evangelism explosion feel like giving up because you're not seeing any results. You see, not only must you know the passion of Jesus, you must know the patience and the endurance of Jesus. William Carey came to experience that fortitude, that courage that Jesus Christ through his spirit puts into the heart of a man. Then there were hundreds and thousands who received Christ as Savior. During those years in India, dozens and dozens of missionary societies sprang up in Europe and in the Americas. Missionaries began to go out. And there were those who joined Terry there in India. One young man by the name of Duff, a handsome 24-year-old Scot, came to that area to join in the effort to win Indians to the Lord. He came to visit William Carey. Found there now a small man with yellow countenance and a white jacket. He felt that he could just get the blessing of Mr. Carey upon his life and ministry, that it would add so much to his efforts. And so the two met, fell in love with each other, spent time talking about the work, had prayer. And this young man, Duff, went off to join in the tremendous task of winning India. Some years later, William Carey was on his deathbed. And Duff came to pay a visit. As Duff sat by his bed and talked to him, to encourage him, he told him about the work that he had accomplished, how he had inspired churches everywhere to become mission-minded and to send out missionaries into the world. He talked about the accomplishments of Carey there in India. He then had prayer with Mr. Carey and said a, fair, a sad farewell. As he started to leave, William Carey is reported with new vigor now in his dying voice, said, Mr. Duff, Mr. Duff, you have been speaking about Dr. Carey. Dr. Carey. Dr. Carey. When I'm gone, say nothing about Dr. Carey. 
talk about Dr. So William Carey, with this kind of humility, passed out into eternity. But God had used him to awaken a dead lethargic church and to get started what we are continuing to do in this church this year. The Savior, the Savior, the Savior. Continents, continents, continents. Lengthen thy cords, strengthen thy stakes. Expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. A hundred thousand dollars of mission offering. But more than that, the dedication of life in short-term mission work as well as becoming a career missionary. What will you do with the word of God and the call of the Holy Spirit? Will you go out as usual? In the words of William Carey, I implore you, we must do something. We must do something about giving the Savior to the continent. Beginning at home, there in your own way. Let's pray together. With our heads and hearts bowed before the Lord, I want to ask how many of you, parents and grandparents, this morning would say, I commit my children and my grandchildren to the Lord. If God wants them and calls them to be missionaries, I give them to him gladly. I wonder how many of you parents will come to that point of giving your children back to the Lord. How many of you grandparents will say, Lord, use my children if it's your will? How many of you today would say by the uplifted hand, I do give my children or my grandchildren. If the Lord wants them, then I gladly give them to him. Would you raise your hand if as parents or grandparents you'll give them to Jesus? Amen. Hands are down. Most of our students are in the other service, but there's some children here and others of you, college students and young career singles. Some of you young married couples. Carrie was 32 when he arrived on the mission field. And some of you, that age can go. I wonder how many of you today would say, whatever God's will is, I will do it. I'm willing, if he wants me, to go as a missionary. 
I'll go. You're not saying that I know it's a definite thing that God has already called me, but you're saying I'm willing if that's God's will. How many of you students and singles and young couples would say if that's God's will, I give myself to it? How many of you would raise your hand? Say yes. If that's his will, I'm willing. God bless you. Amen. Are there those of you who today would say God has called me or God is calling me? I just want to let you and the church family know it. I'm willing to do whatever he would have me to do as a missionary. If God's calling you, won't you come and share that decision? Some of you need to come today and join this great missionary evangelistic church. Come and dedicate your life by moving your membership, moving your life into this church. There are those of you who are without Christ. You have not discovered the great riches of his redeeming love right there in your seat. Won't you give up trying to do it yourself and just in simple childlike faith accept him as your Savior and your Lord? Won't you right now? Commit yourself to him and come and share that decision with us. Look this way. Turn in your hymn books now to 664. So send I you as we sing while we're praying as God speaks. Won't you come and make those decisions for the Lord and his church? Let's stand. Said I my grace may drop to dry My brothers and sisters, what a powerful message from Pastor J.C. Mitchell. If that's you, if God is tugging in your heart and you want to accept him today, I want you to pray with me. Repeat these words. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for me. Father God, I am a sinner. I ask you to forgive me all of my sins and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord, for loving me and giving your son Jesus to die for me. Thank you, Lord. Father, I don't have all the answers, but you do. Show me your ways in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. Amen. God bless you, my brothers and sisters. Next Sunday, we will have part two of this amazing sermon. God bless you. And we'll see you again. Take care of yourself.